This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, and welcome back to 365 Days with MXM Tune. I'm Maya, a singer, songwriter, video maker, Oakland native, and big fan of the revolutionary spirit. Another thing I'm a big fan of, history. I love untold stories, gross facts, hidden secrets, anything weird, dark, and funky from the past. Each day, I'm going to share a few of my favorite deep cuts with you. So let's step back in time through today's date. It's 365 with MXM Tune. New facts every day, so don't leave too soon. I'm gonna teach you stuff, no it won't be tough. Gonna go a year till you've had enough. It's 365. September 30th is officially the Independence Day of Botswana. Each year, citizens of the Southern African nation gather for fireworks, parades, picnics, fairs, and big family dinners to celebrate Botswana's Declaration of Independence from the United Kingdom, which happened on this date in 1966. Independence Day is known as Wepuso, and it's considered the National Day of Botswana. But how did Botswana gain its independence from Great Britain? And how did it even end up under the UK's control? Let's rewind. Botswana was under the control of a series of tribes and chieftaincies for centuries, but in the mid-19th centuries, Afrikaners, South Africans descended from the white Dutch settlers, started to move in on the border between the two countries. In the late 19th century, Christian missionaries started arriving in what is now Botswana. By 1880, there were missionaries all over the region, and European culture had infiltrated a significant portion of the country. One group of missionaries responsible for this new spread of Christianity was the London Missionary Society, which established missions in many African countries. One of their members, John Mackenzie, began campaigning for Great Britain to rule Botswana, allegedly to protect some of his Botswanan congregants from the Afrikaners at the border. By this point, Great Britain had already colonized quite a bit of Africa, including South Africa, then called the Cape Colony, to Botswana, then called Tswana's South. The UK decided it also wanted Botswana, which, it just so happened, Germany was eyeing as well. Europe was not great at letting countries govern themselves. In January 1885, they sent a military expedition to South Africa, but ended up moving into Botswana, eventually establishing treaties with local tribal leaders and calling the region the Bechuanaland Protectorate. The area was actually divided into two regions. The Bechuanaland Protectorate, which is what is now Botswana, and the British Bechuanaland, which is actually now part of South Africa. Though South Africa then Cape Colony, which was a colony, duh, Botswana was actually not a colony, at least not technically. For the first few years of the Bechuanaland Protectorate's existence, Botswana had its own leaders, and the Brits were just there to protect, for example, the police, the borders, but anyone who knows anything about colonizers knows they do not like to cede power. And in 1891, Great Britain put the protectorate under the control of the British High Commissioner to South Africa, which essentially meant that the UK ran it, not the tribes. Very sneaky. Botswana did have its own leaders, even if they didn't have that much power. 
King Kamu III, who was chief of Swana's Bamangwato tribe from the late 19th century until his death of 1923, allied himself with the colonizers, which ended up giving him some leverage. He also helped keep Afrikaners from invading Botswana, which probably set Botswana up for independence later on. After Kama III died, his son ruled for two years until he too died in 1925. After Kama III died, his son ruled for two years until he too died in 1925, and then his son, Zaretsi, was too young to rule. So Kama III's son, from his second wife, Chekedi, ruled as regent of the tribe. This is when things started getting interesting in Bechuanaland. Chikedi was supposed to step down as leader after Soretsi returned from law school in Britain, but Soretsi ended up falling in love and marrying a white woman named Ruth Williams. This was a scandal. And it's also, fun fact, the plot of the 2016 film A United Kingdom, starring David Oyelowo and Rosamund Pike. Chikedi was against it. The tribe split, siding with one leader or the other. And the Brits, who at the time were not known for being particularly woke, ruled that Soretsi was unfit for leadership because of his unfortunate marriage. Eventually, in 1951, the Brits exiled both Soretsi and his wife from Bechuanaland. This caused some real problems for the Brits. The Bamangwato rioted. The Brit rulers were accused of racism. Can't imagine why. And in 1956, the Brits relented on the exile, so Soretsi had to renounce the throne. By now, though, an independence movement from Swana was beginning to simmer. Soretsi decided to jump back into politics, founding the pro-independence group, the Bechuanaland Democratic Party. They ended up winning the 1965 elections, and Soretsi became prime minister of Bechuanaland. Thanks to a new 1965 constitution and a few newly independent African nations located close to Bechuanaland, the United Kingdom allowed Botswana to gain independence on September 30, 1966, with Soretsi as its first president. Soretsi died in 1980. But the Botswana constitution stands to this day, and every year, on September 30th, Botswanans celebrate their self-rule. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For today's music fact, we actually have a special guest. I did a collab with her, if you're curious. Um, it's Carly Rae Jepsen. We made a song together called OK On Your Own, and I'm super honored that she's able to make it to the podcast today. So here's Carly Rae Jepsen talking about how she spent September in 2008. So on this day in history, September 30th, going back to 2008, I released my first ever album titled Tug of War. The album was written in a wine cellar studio um, with Ryan Stewart, a longtime friend and collaborator. We were very excited. It was a P&D deal, and I didn't know if anyone at all would ever listen. But within Canada, 
Um, a couple of the songs picked up on radio, one titled Tug of War and the other was Bucket. At this time, I also didn't have a huge budget, so all of the music videos I made with friends at the beach, pulled favors from the waitresses and waiters that I worked with, and somehow made one of my favorite projects to date, Tug of War. And for our final segment of the day, I'm going to dive into my own personal history and tell you what I was up to on a September 30th in my life. I'm looking through my photo archives right now, and it looks like I bought concert tickets on September 30th, 2016, to see one of my favorite K-pop acts, CL. And you probably know her from 21, which is one of the most well-known K-pop girl groups to ever exist, period. Um, And she was performing at the Warfield in San Francisco. And so I convinced my mom to buy me tickets to see her when she came to the Bay Area. And I was like super stoked. My best friend Allie and I were over the moon. We were going with our friend Aaron too. And oh my God, I just remember being so psyched. I hadn't gone to that many concerts, but going to a K-pop concert is like another experience entirely from going to a regular concert for, I guess, like an American artist. Because when you go to a K-pop concert, I feel like everybody is 10 times more organized and 10 times more hyped up too. So I got to see CL in the fall of 2016 and I was very excited. Yeah. <laughs> and that wraps up this episode of 365 Days of the MXM Tune. Thank you all so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and follow along at 365 Days MXM Tune on all platforms. I hope you like this episode and I'll talk to you tomorrow. It's 365 with MXM Tune. New facts every day, so don't leave too soon. I'm gonna teach you stuff. No, it won't be tough. Gonna go a year till you've had enough. It's 365.